Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. We're on episode 89. And uh, we got a great interview for you. Got a great guest for you. Talking about something that speakers don't oftentimes think about and don't often consider, but uh, it's really, really important to having a good presentation, especially in like the the bigger venues and bigger conference type of settings. The things that we're going to be talking about, discussing today, is uh, definitely important for you. Hey, before we get into that, let me quickly remind you that in uh, just a couple weeks, we're going to be starting and launching the Speaker Lab Summit. This is something that I've talked briefly about a time or two. I'm really, really excited about this. We've got some of the top speakers and industry experts that are going to be sharing some of their best strategies, tactics, advice, all about how to build and grow your speaking business. So, I mean, we're talking world-class experts on the subject. So I'm super excited about the speakers that we've got. You're going to be hearing more about this in the next coming weeks. The summit's going to be happening September 12th through the 23rd. So it's going to be uh, in just a couple of weeks, but we're going to be opening registration for free tickets for it. Uh, is that next week? I think next week, actually, in fact. So make sure that you pay close attention to that because that's going to be coming at you really, really soon. You're not going to want to miss out on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a 40, 40 speakers. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait for it. So again, uh, stay tuned for that. All right. So for today's conversation and discussion and interview, we've got my buddy Jeff Douglas. He runs a production company. This is a company that I've worked with several times as a speaker. But we're going to be talking all about the kind of the audio visual side of speaking. So being a, thinking through you know your stage presence, your microphone, working with an AV team, using the stage, and all the different dynamics that go into that. So we're going to be uh, having that conversation and discussion today. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy Jeff Douglas. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Today, we are joined by my buddy, Jeff Douglas, who runs the company Cybus Communications, which is a, uh, how would you describe it? Like a creative production company? What do you call it? Live event production company, creating exciting, inspiring events through the power of uh, creative media and technology. You've got your 10-second elevator pitch down. Well done. So uh, the nutshell is basically Jeff runs the production of different events. So whenever some of the conferences that I've spoke at over the years, he and his team do the technical pieces and the stage setup and the videos and the lighting and the mic. And he's just, he is an AV wizard and production wizard on this stuff. So I thought it'd be interesting just to have a, a conversation on the what it looks like from your vantage point on just the production of putting on an event and how speakers can work with the AV people. And I've always jokingly said that those AV people can make you look really good or really bad. And so you need them on your team. So we'll chat a little bit about that today. But why don't you give us a quick snapshot of what you guys do beyond the 10 second speech there? Uh, what kind of events that you handle? I know you've done some like big name events as well. So what does that look like today? 
Sure, Grant. Yeah, we're producing about uh, 15, 20 shows a year, everything from fashion shows. We've worked with the White House uh, nearly a dozen times. We produce for Fortune 500 companies. Our bread and butter happens to be uh, my favorite, the uh, student leadership conferences, the motivational sessions and award ceremonies. And, and our team really does everything that you can imagine within the walls of a ballroom or an arena, convention hall, in terms of a live staged, choreographed multimedia production. Everything from the cameras, the lights, the sound, the script writing, the choreography on stage, to creating the, the music, the soundtrack for the event, the branding, the graphics, the animation, all the uh, camera live switching, directing, stage management, the whole package. So uh, really most of our clients just kind of let us do our thing and they walk in the room and enjoy the show with the rest of the audience. And it's a, it's a really fun, exciting process. Yeah. And again, having been to several of them and worked with you guys on several of them, I mean, you guys really do put on a, just a top-notch presentation. And it's funny you mentioned all the different types of venues. I remember we worked together. I think it was in, um, I want to say it was in Colorado, in an ice arena or rink or something. <laughs> you remember that? That's true. And we did learn uh, from that one never to plug a space heater in underneath your control center minutes before doors open because that, <laughs> that blew the circuit. And uh, we were out of commission for a couple minutes before we figured that one out. It's just going to be cold. Just bundle up. That's it what was you get. very, very, which as a speaker, <laughs> I'm sweating crazy on stage anyway. But yeah, I remember coming in and seeing you guys and your whole team is in the back there with your over all your boards and in front of your screen, you guys are all huddled up and freezing. Oh, we were there for three days and we had, uh, our feet were numb for sure. That's funny. So, okay, let's start with this. So as a speaker, I, you know, sometimes we just have this, what seemingly seems like this easy glamorous part of, we just show up, you hand us a mic, we go on stage, do our little ditty, and then we're done. But from a technical side of it, there are a lot of things that go into it that can make an event go really, really well and make the session go well and things that can really derail things. So from a speaker standpoint, what are some things that we can do or things that maybe we need to be aware of when working with AV people, whether it's some type of big scale production, like maybe what you would put on, or we go to an event and it's a small thing in a ballroom for a hundred people. And there's just the hotel sound guy that's helping us out there. What are some things that we can do that maybe make your life easier things that can help provide a better experience for the audience? Well, in the event? Yeah, you said it right from the beginning. You want the AV team on your side as a speaker. And it's so funny because I see the guys, the speakers who come in and you know, they know their gig, they're going to go on stage and do their thing. And they just figure everyone else is going to take care of them. But, you know, just like everything else in life, if you don't get the guys around you who are pushing the buttons in some ways to care about what you're doing on stage, the show's going to fall a little flat, you know, whether it's uh, just the timing and care and concern about music and cameras and lighting, you really wanted everybody to just be excited for you as a speaker. And I've seen absolutely both sides of the spectrum and what a difference it can make. So, I mean, you want to go in there and work with the team, no matter how good you are as a speaker, you've never worked with, like you said, one guy or 10 guys together. And in some cases, they haven't worked together, just the nature of the AV world. Sometimes, you know, it's going to be in your best interest as a speaker to take some time to rehearse things like your entry and your outro and really cover those you know, the clicker and make sure your graphics are on screen, your PowerPoints, whatnot, if you have that. Uh, don't uh, assume that they're going to care enough. You know, and I say this uh, humbly as, as one who's, who's proud of all of our productions, but you really still have to take a few moments as a speaker to, to be sure all those items are rehearsed well. Yeah, and that makes total sense. 
one of the things that you said is you've had both positive and negative experiences with speakers. Can you, without naming names, can, any like negative experiences that really stand out of here's something that, you know, so-and-so speaker did that really either left a bad taste in our mouth or, you know, just kind of put a, a damper on the session. Any, anything that comes to mind? Well, you know, we did have one guy who, uh, he was so confident. He had his laptop and he knew his spiel. He just wanted to come in there at the last second and go to town. Well, <laughs> a couple things. When his laptop crashed in the middle of his presentation, his own laptop that he refused to rehearse with our production team on, then he was very quick to blame the AV guys for what happened. From stage? <laughs> and it just makes everybody awkward. You just feel uncomfortable in the audience, oh. no matter what. So I never forget that one. You know, as a production company, we start establishing rules. You know, we, don't, we really don't like to work with people's or speakers' individual laptops. That's probably different than in most cases. A lot of AV companies actually would prefer you just bring your laptop. But we don't like to trust that your remote clicker has ever worked in a live space with all the other frequencies in the, the room. We don't like to trust that you brought your adapters from Thunderbolt to HDMI or VGA, DVI, whatever it might be. We like to just receive your presentation in advance and load it up on our systems. We can test it in advance. And then when you're on site, you know, it should be a breeze. So one of the things that you'd mentioned there was just the importance of just kind of that run through. And I know you guys are, have always been extremely good about that. I know when I've worked with you, of uh, we don't just show up and get up there and everybody just wings it. Like we, you know, I know we're, there's a scheduled run through, you know, bef- long before the session starts and the doors open of just walking through everything. Like how important is that run through? And like, what is the point of that? Everyone, you know, I get up and do my job as a speaker. You make sure my mic works and the lights are on and we yeah. should all be fine. Like, why is it necessary to even do a run through? Well, if you want to separate the event and your presentation from amateur to professional, it just takes time. I mean, the, the Academy Awards, those are professionals. We all know that professional performers, but they're rehearsing for two or three days. It doesn't just happen live the first time. It, it doesn't happen that way in the speaker event world either. You know, whether it's microphones, making sure that you know where you can bring your microphone. A lot of guys who haven't rehearsed properly, they're eager to jump off in the middle of the stage. They haven't warned the crew. And now you're going to get a feedback issue because we never practiced that. We never see if that was even possible. Uh, Maybe, you know, a real dynamic speaker is going to walk the stage, work the stage, and now they're in the front corner. Well, that corner isn't lit. You're not going to show up on the camera. So that's a problem all the way through the end of your presentation, let us know what your outro is going to be so that we can be on guard uh, for the last couple minutes of your presentation so that when you're done, things happen and you're not just standing there alone on stage waiting for the program to continue. So all these things need to be rehearsed and it's different for every event. Even if you're, you, you know, as you've spoken hundreds of thousands of times, I don't know how many times you've spoken grand, but you know, every event's different and different restrictions. So Got to go through it. Right. And I think you touched on a couple different things there that I think it's important for the speaker whenever they get up on stage just to do a run through or just kind of walk through everything to think through some of those dynamics within the presentation of, okay, I'm going to be using a prop and I need to set it over on that side of the stage. And at some point I need to go get it. Well, is there a spotlight that needs to follow me? Or I know for me a couple of times I would show something 
that from if you're sitting on the front row, you can see, but if you're sitting in the back row or anywhere else, you cannot see that object. And so I need the camera to zoom in. So just prepping you guys on some of those little nuances of, hey, at this point, I'm gonna, on this story, I'm going to be moving over here, or this part, I need to get off the stage. What's the best way to get off the stage without, like you said, having a loud screeching feedback that everybody loves? Yeah. Where are things where I need a, a close or a wide shot or whatever? But just communicating those needs and situations because again that you know the av crew they have no idea what's going to happen in the talk or where it's going so that stuff is all all important cases they don't care unless you know the speaker teaches them to care so uh, you know walking through maybe a 45 minute presentation can be walked through in five or ten minutes but you're absolutely spot on if we know that you're bringing a prop and it's gonna or it's gonna make a difference if we look at your shoes at a certain point you're gonna jump at this time like we can get excited about that and you know the production team puts a lot of pride when they know these things and they're they have the opportunity to make it awesome. Uh, without a doubt, they're going to do their best to support you and make the presenter look awesome on stage and catch those moments on camera at the right spot or, or play that soundtrack at the right moment. So 10 minutes, that's all we ask. <laughs> right, right. It's not much, but it does make a, a big difference there. So how whenever like a speaker is doing, let's say something that is very AV focused, I know for me, I try to be pretty low maintenance of just give me the mic and we're, that's about all I need. No big props or big cues that everyone's got to hit with, you know, some sound effect or something. But there's certainly speakers that use a lot of, you know, audio or video or, or different pieces there. What is the best way to... Like And those type of pieces can really make or break a presentation. Like it can be phenomenal or it can just come across awkward and, and corny. So how do we best communicate with an AV crew the, you know, the significance or the importance of it or when those points are without coming across as these prima donna demanding diva speakers that if you, you know, if you miss these things, it's going to screw up my talk. How do we balance that with an AV crew? You know, I, I think, again, uh, taking the time to do it, if you have, if you know what your presentation is and you've done it dozens of times, it doesn't hurt to provide a one sheet, pass it around, bring your script, you kind of know it, you know this video is going to play or this soundtrack is going to play when you say a certain line. You don't need to make it a guessing game on every single on-site rehearsal and program. Uh, provide a few cues to the crew. And then we also know by your preparation of doing that, we know that you're serious about it. So it's something that we're going to be tuned into for sure. Well, and one of the things you touched on earlier too is that it seems like the more serious the speaker takes their presentation and their part of this session, the more serious the AV crew takes it. That okay, the speaker is serious, and so I want to, you know, we want to, we want to step up our game too, and not just wing it or, or drop the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we take pride in our work to support the presenters. I always believe that. And, you know, I will say it also happens, it begins before, I think, an event. I think there's, there's advanced preparation that's often, you know, dialogue between the speaker or a speaker's manager to make sure that we're ready as a production team. I'm pretty emphatic about this uh, with Cybus that we know about all the multimedia that may or may not be coming. Um, we like to confirm microphone choice. I mean, I'd always, uh, we can go into that in terms of my preference. I like to get bios and photos, all that in advance. I don't like, we, you know, it's not on-site time uh, when we're hours away from doors open to kind of juggle these items. So all the preparation we can get in advance and then just be ready for a committed 10-minute rehearsal helps. 
All right, let's talk about those technical pieces, because I know when speakers get on stage that one of the, the obvious things is going to be a microphone, and there's a lot of different options, and there's a lot of different preferences among speakers, and some people like a handheld, some people uh, want hands-free, and there's various options between both. So from your standpoint, does it make a difference which mic we request? You know, again, in some situations you show up and there's one option and that's it when you're speaking at the hotel ballroom. But whenever you're doing something where there may be two or three or four different mic options, what is your preference? What tends to work better from your vantage point? The easiest, the most universal is probably just going to be the wireless handheld. And nobody really will complain about that unless you don't know how to use a mic. I mean, you got to know that. We assume that you're past that as a speaker. Second, I would go with a headset. Okay, well, let's mic. not let's now. Typically, hopefully, we know how to use. Like from your vantage point, like how do we need to use the mic properly? Yeah, well, that's part of the sound check, and, and every mic's a little bit different. That's another reason to, to take that time for the sound check. But you know, you can't pull the mic away to do some dramatic gesture and keep talking. We're not going to hear you in the audience. So uh, you have to be really conscious of that, and, and almost every rehearse your gestures so that you know you know you still got one hand holding the mic in front of you. And for that reason, a lot of times people will prefer a lava or a headset. I detest lavalier mics. I think every audio engineer in the world does for a live PA environment. Why is the that? way a, a lavalier mic on your necktie or collar takes sound in, it takes so much that ends up just creating that feedback loop with the PA system. You get the high screech sound. I usually, um, pretty much every time someone requests a lav, I say, can you do a headset mic? And except for a few folks who just don't like to look like Britney Spears or <laughs> Garth Brooks, they'll usually be very excited that we even made that offer. And a lot of speakers these days are making that nominal investment <clears throat> to bring their own headset mic. Typically, if a company has uh, an AV, the AV folks have a lavalier mic belt pack receiver, then you can bring your own like countryman style headset mic that'll plug right into it. Why do they call it a countryman? <laughs> I've always I've always wondered that. That's a great question. Is that a brand name or is that just like... I think name? it is actually a brand name, okay, but it's right. kind of like Xerox and the Kleenex. It's, yeah. I think it was a brand name and now it's just a, a nice sleek headset mic. Well, because that... And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up though because that's like that's the thing that... Or that's what I prefer is I actually prefer uh, uh, the Countryman mic. So like you yeah. said, kind of the, the Garth Brooks, Britney Spears hanging over your ear, bringing, coming down in front of your face. And so it moves with your face. Um, now they can be, depending on who's putting it on, it can't... If it starts to get loose, it can start flopping on your ear, which is a huge pain. But I'm with you. I don't like the lavalier. And if I can't do the countryman, I prefer the wireless handheld. Is there anything wrong with doing a um, a wired handheld? Not at all. If that suits your needs, I, I don't think we just a, more of a preference thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly going to be what you're the only option probably in some venues. Right. So no, no problem with that. All right. What about lighting? I know, again, that there's times where it's a preferential thing, but at the same time, especially if it's a bigger conference type of setting where maybe you are, you're doing some type of live feed on screens, what the stage, how the stage is lit uh, can really affect some of those things. So what, what are your, some of your, your preferences there? And what are your, your thoughts? And I'll, I'll give you my two cents. Yeah, I think that just being aware that you're probably not going to be able to see the audience is, is fairly important. And, you know, at least for a large show with cameras and iMag, the screens, we darken the room on purpose so that the audience will focus on the very well-lit stage. And so the, if the speaker wants to see the audience and really interact with them, now the house lights have to come up and it starts to lose some of that effect. So I usually, you know, I try to resist just turning up the house lights at the speaker's request. Uh, you kind of have to just learn how to, I guess, assume or predict what people are doing in the audience. That's, that's my vantage perspective as a production company. 
Um, beyond that, I don't know there's a whole lot of lighting control that uh, the speaker would have. You know, our goal is to light the stage. And if you have moments that you want to do a center special area, you know, we, we're certainly happy to accommodate. Do you guys do um, uh, spotlights or do you prefer just like a stage wash where everything is just kind of the, the stage is kind of equally lit or how, what's your preference? We generally just do a stage wash. Yeah. Spotlights, uh, just a lot of hassle and I don't, they're good in certain theatrical spaces, but I don't think that they do a whole lot for the average. Yeah. As a speaker, I hate spotlights and I detest them because you just, yeah. you cannot see anything and it is just miserable. And I would be the speaker that you described that I prefer a little house light because I like to see the audience. And even like you yeah. said, even though you know they're out there and you can't really see much past the first row, I want to be able to just see some shadows of heads. So I usually vote for like, can we just get the lighting at like 70% or just just a little bit up there where it, it's dim still, but not, uh, not pitch black there. And do you ever get resistance for that request? I typically don't. Like, again, normally that's one of those run through things that you just yeah. test it out and they're going, you know, hey, this is, and it, some of it depends on the room too. You know, like yeah. we've been in rooms where it's basically, it's all or nothing. And that's just the way it is. And in that case, it's like, well, exactly. okay, if that's the case, then let's just, let's leave them all down. Cause I'm trying to balance, I want to be able to see the audience with, I also don't want to bring all the house lights up and just screw up the production. Well, um, yeah. And you get the value of that. But I mean, I've definitely worked with, with speakers who just, they would insist that all the house lights be up if that was the only option, <laughs> if it was black or white. So now at the same time though, like again, going back to the rehearsal thing, that's one of the things that a speaker needs to communicate is there may be a point in a talk where I need all the house lights up. I'm going to do some oh. interaction. I'm going to do something where I need to be able to see the audience or people are raising or the their audience hands. Or, to see each other or yeah, yeah. Just something like that. And again, speak Speakers do not spring that on the AV people in the talk. <laughs> hey, can I get all the house like that? They didn't know that was coming. They need to know those things well ahead of time. So again, they're prepared for it and you're not standing there on stage like, you know, like a, like a goofball. Exactly. It's so easy to prepare and do those things on, you know, during the show if, if we're ready for anticipating it. One of the other things that you guys work on that you mentioned is in some conference settings, you guys work on the scripting. And so whenever a speaker is being introduced, now most speakers would write their own introduction, but that is something. And then we would give you the production or the AV or whoever at the conference, the introduction, then they just read that. But are there any things that you have noticed when a speaker is being introduced that can really make or break and, or even just kind of set the tone for a, a speaker just starting their presentation? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times we get access to bios and we have to write an intro based on that. And I, I think that's almost silly. I mean, I think every professional speaker should have maybe two or three intros, depending on what kind of audiences they present to, already drafted, cater to that audience rather than just a bio. And then it doesn't, you know, there's no questions on site whether it's going to be appropriate or not. So, you know, I'm thinking that every speaker should just have this information on their website available, whether it's their, their microphone requirements, their, the few intro options, a high res photo, let's pull that, let's, you know, it shouldn't be a, uh, here's my USB stick at the last moment, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, give us an intro and, and an intro that doesn't just list all of your awards because you get those a lot, but give us something interesting that's gonna set the tone. Or uh, your presentation. Are there any interesting ones that you remember where you're like, okay, because I think that's an interesting thing with speakers is that if it can be something that the AV crew hasn't seen before or we can make them laugh, 
then we know like that's a challenge because you guys see everything. You know, you see a ton of speakers, you see yeah. the good, bad, and ugly. So if we can be do something that's out of the ordinary or engaging to the tech people, <laughs> that is a win for us. So is there anything that like stands out just from an introduction standpoint? You're like, okay, that was something that was more than just a here's my life story that someone's just reading. You know, well, more as an audience member, I think that uh, I usually am kind of the cynical one, uh, having seen hundreds of these, that if you're just listening that you've been on this television show and you've got that award, blah, 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 it just kind of goes one ear out the other. If you tell me a little bit about who you are, you know, the intro should be maybe used, and I get why people put awards in there, because it allows someone else to say it rather than you when you go on stage. But uh, give me a few reasons to, as to why I should listen to what's ahead. Tell me what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell me what you told them. I mean, set up the tone of what's to come. Why do I want to sit up in my seat as an audience member and tune in from the very get go? I think you can do that with an intro. Yeah, I would totally agree that that intro is a really overlooked piece for speakers and uh, something that can really be used well. I know one thing you mentioned that that can really set the tone even before speakers open their mouth and said anything. So I know for me, one thing I'll try to do is. I know when I was speaking a lot to students in conferences, I would, my last line in the introduction that again, that someone else's reading would be a joke. And I knew that the joke worked and I would just kind of read it as it's written because I know it works, but that gets the audience laughing before I've even said anything. So by the time I come out, they're kind of coming off of a laugh and, and it's a lot easier for me to go into using more humor and, or stories or, or, sure. or comedy. Yeah. And I wouldn't even be afraid to to put in there something like, so uh, if you're ready, get on your feet and welcome Grant Baldwin. I mean, there's no reason you can't write that kind of thing into your intro, get people excited <laughs> from sure. the beginning. The worst thing you want to do as a speaker, I think, is come out and say, gosh, y'all look bored and exhausted. <laughs> Don't make that accusation to an audience. You will turn them off. <laughs> do you see that often where a speaker is doing something that is just like immediately causing the audience to be disengaged and just I see out. it for me. I mean, definitely the amateurs will go out there and blame the audience for not being interesting or interested. I do see that. You know, I also see the amateurs blame the AV crew <laughs> sometimes and even when they shouldn't. And it creates that awkwardness. I think, I mean, I got a few pet peeves of speakers that I see. It's and certainly PowerPoint is a pet peeve. <laughs> so, How so? Uh, well, if, if you know what you're talking about, then you should better do it without a PowerPoint. And I guess if you can use PowerPoint to support it with visuals, I get it. But if you need it to just list out bullet points so that it can cue you as a presenter as to what to say next, I think it's extraordinarily uncomfortable for an audience member. That moment of pause while you click and read and then start talking about a point, it takes away. I mean, you don't want, I don't think as a keynote speaker or a guest speaker to come across like you're just teaching a, a lecture that nobody wants to be at or, right. or folks are in school again. They want to see something special and knowing your material is, is important and then minimizing the PowerPoint for sure as much as possible. Yeah, I would, I would, it. I would, and I'm curious on some of those other pet peeves, but I would uh, just to uh, camp on that for a second. I really would a thousand percent agree with that, that uh, I've always said that uh, if you're going to use slides, it should be an enhancement and not a crutch. Meaning like you said, maybe if I'm describing a story there's going to be times where it's way more effective to show a picture from that story than for me just to tell it. That can be really, really sure. effective. But like you said, if all the slides are going to be a cheat sheet for me because I'm too lazy to 
learn my talk or <laughs> because, yeah, or it's just like, I just want to show a bunch of bullet points that are unrelated to, you know, it's just like, that's dumb. So if you're going to use it, use it as an enhancement that makes your talk better. I always jokingly say like, if you're doing that run through and all of a sudden your PowerPoint crashes, the talk should still be good. It still needs to stand on its own as a presentation. And if you have the PowerPoint, great. It's just icing on the cake. It it makes it a step better. But if it's not there, that's fine. It it can still function without it. And as you well know, Jeff, there's, there's so many technical things that could go wrong when you have PowerPoint. So just for me, I'm just risk averse on that stuff. I'd rather not even any, rather not even risk it. Well, you're, you're risk averse. I'm digital adverse. You know, I never <laughs> seen this done, but I feel like, gosh, why don't speakers just bring out a half dozen foam boards, foam, like large format prints and pull their slides out, but hold them in front of them. <laughs> you know, something obviously doesn't work for words, but if it's a picture right. with this event with the camera, now you don't lose the focus away from your face, uh, you know, on stage, uh, keep it analog. <laughs> What are some of those other pet peeves that you've seen with speakers that could be easily fixed? If you're going to be a dynamic speaker walking the stage and, and working it, you might as well bring your cue cards with you because when you have to return back to the podium for that long walk as you don't know what to say next and then find your spot on your script, <laughs> I think that's really awkward. I feel like, I don't know how you feel about this. I don't think cue cards are the worst thing in the world to hold them, but I think you might as well just hang on to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan of them. I mean, if you no, if it's no, a, I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah, but if, I mean, if it's that's a or you're just starting out. But, right, uh, right. I think just being uh, be able to keep the flow going no matter what. I actually started taking an improv class. Grant, you know, I, I mean, I'm kind of a want to be speaker at some point. I've seen so much of it, and so my angle right now is to just always be comfortable with what's next, and right. that's I think the the biggest thing I'm trying to learn is to never get stuck where you have no idea what to do next. And right. that it's just like when you are waiting for the next slide to come up or when you're waiting to go find your spot in your script, that awkwardness is going to disconnect the audience. So I see that a lot. Well, and another thing too, I, I, I noticed this and I think you, you've probably seen this a lot as well, is that oftentimes the audience takes their emotional cues from the speaker. Meaning if the speaker is super awkward and uncomfortable, it makes the audience uncomfortable. Whereas if the speaker is doing something with their PowerPoint and the PowerPoint goes down, there's that moment of like, how are they going to handle this? But if they're like, ah, crap, well, let's move on. And it's not a big deal to them, then it's not going to be a big deal to the audience. But if they start sweating bullets and chewing out the AV crew, it becomes awkward for everyone. So just know that you as the speaker, you're the person on stage and that the audience is oftentimes taking their cues on how to react to something from you. Well, you're, you're right on. I mean, I, I think that that probably is partly experience, but again, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong with eventually one of your presentations. If you're depending on PowerPoint or videos, at some point it won't work. And so you might as well have practiced for it. Very well said. Well, Jeff, to wrap up any final words of wisdom? You know, I think I get asked so many times after a presentation, a keynote. So what do you remember from it? Or what did you learn from it? And so content wise, not so much AV, but I would really recommend that it's not vague. Don't leave your audience wondering, gosh, that was good. I think I learned something, but I just can't put my finger on it. Make it easy for them to remember one or two, maybe three lines. I think you'd probably agree on that. You can walk away and tell your friends, tell your family, your teacher, your colleague, you know, that's how you get hired again, I think too. 
Well, and that's the type of thing that whether speakers want to admit it or not, and it's not good for the ego, but I mean, if we go up and give a 45-minute talk, the audience is going to remember very, very, very little of sure. what it is that we said. I mean, you, you know, you've seen a lot of presentations that an hour later, you couldn't remember anything that they said, and um, <laughs> maybe just a, a story or an anecdote or a picture, but it's just a large percentage of that is just in one ear and out the other. And so just being realistic that as a speaker... What are those one or two just really key things that if to make sure you're drilling those things in and that you're repeating those things and you're giving someone, you're giving that audience something very, very practical and applicable that they can act on more than just like you described. It's a good talk. And yeah. uh, I laughed a little bit. Not really sure what it was about or what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah, so I think it's not a bad thing to help the audience or just have that one liner. <laughs> How you would you describe Grant Baldwin? Well, he said this. I learned that. Should right. be pretty and thinking that through as a speaker is, uh, can, can really be effective. Well, uh, Jeff, thanks for the time, buddy. If we were going to find out uh, more about you and, and just your, if we're interested in your production company, what all you guys do, where can we go? We are at uh, www.thinkcybus.com. That's think like with the brain, T-H-I-N-K and C-Y-B-I-S.com. Thinkcybus.com. Awesome. And we will be sure and uh, link up to that in the show notes. Thanks for the awesome. time, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, Grant. Look forward to next time. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation, Chit Chat Chatteroo with Jeff Douglas of Cybus Communications. Good stuff there. Just again, important stuff that you want to think about, little nuances and details of speaking and especially dealing with the technical aspects of it. As you probably know, technology can be your best friend or your worst enemy as a speaker. And so definitely stuff to, to keep in mind and consider there. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 89. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.